Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Adam Miller and joining me today are Johnny McFarlane and Jules Boyle, who's going to have to pull something special out the bag to top the shark joke you made on yesterday's <laughs> podcast. On today's pod we'll be talking about Craig Levine's latest comments, Fraser Forster and whether it's a good idea to go back and try to recapture past glories, Kenny Miller's slight dig at Neil Lennon and we'll also be taking a quick look at Celtic and Rangers Europa League fixtures. So we'll start with Craig Levine though and the Hearts boss has taken a dig at some of the social media users that have been criticising managers like himself and Neil Lennon. He said... I think there's a madness going on around uh, going around just now. If you look around the league, everybody's complaining about everybody. I don't know where it all ends. Thankfully, most of the owners aren't quite as jumpy as sometimes the punters can be, and I'm not sure how much it's the actual everyday supporter. I'm not sure it involves them. I think they just got on with their lives. You're always dealing with the extremes in football, particularly in social media. Everyone needs to take a breath and just wait and see. Normally you'd get halfway through a season before you were judged on how things are going and now you don't even get to the start of the season. It's crazy. And he was talking about his relationship with Lennon. Levine said, If we meet socially or other things that don't involve us screaming at each other on the touchline, then there's a degree of empathy. Anyone who's been in the managerial position and done it understands that. Ones who haven't, who just open their mouth and let a lot of crap come out, you have to be in that position and have worn somebody's shoes before I think you have the right to criticise. A lot of it now is just noise from people who are experts on making noise. Why do we do it? It's a bug, it's a drug, it's what I do, and without it, it's not the same. But it's getting worse, and I laugh about it because I don't see how I can change it. Johnny, firstly, when Craig Levine refers to wearing somebody's shoes, is he being a bit sly and referring to anyone in particular? Because I read the comments and totally didn't pick up on this, but I feel like you've got a theory. Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious who's having a, a pop at. I mean, it's uh, Craig Levine versus Michael Stewart round 2,567, isn't it? I mean, okay. the thing is about this, and obviously he doesn't name Michael Stewart, but it's pretty clear, you know, players that, that pundits that haven't been managers and talk a load of crap, it's clear who he who he's talking about as far as I'm concerned yeah. there. Yeah. Did you agree with the suggestion, though, that you have to be in that position and have worn somebody's shoes before you have the right to criticise? I mean, does that not basically negate 99% of all criticism? Of course. And I'll answer that with the words of a far, far, far better manager than Craig Levine, Arrigo Saki, who said, you don't have to be a horse to be a jockey. <laughs> um, he received a lot of criticism in uh, coming up the coaching ranks in the late 70s, early 80s in, in Italy. And um, a lot of people were a little bit snippy about the fact he didn't have a professional playing career and it was quite difficult to get on the Italian coaching courses without that because the way they grade them over there, it's highly weighted towards um, ex-international players um, to get onto these these courses. And uh, Arrigo Saki had to battle that all, all his career up till the point that he created perhaps the most influential pressing team in the history of football. I mean, we're talking about a Milan team that not only won the top trophies of the European Cup at Serie A when it was the greatest league in the world, but a guy whose pressing game literally is the, the, the starting point for Jurgen Klopp's gegen pressing. Mm-hmm. So that was a guy who had no history as a as a player, um, but was able to come into to coaching um, without having been a player and, and reinvent the wheel almost um, as a coach. Now, I know it's not the same as what Craig Levine's saying, but it's the same principle. It's that idea of 
you don't have to have been X to do Y. Yeah. And I, 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 I really think it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous when managers come out and, and give it this, you can't criticise based on you don't have the experience. Well, we're not putting ourselves up as having been former managers. We're not saying that we know exactly how it feels to go through the, the pressure of having to make a, a tactical decision with 15,000 people watching you and analysing that. Of course we don't. Mm-hmm. We, but we're here to, as lovers of the game, as passionate followers and advocates of the game, to give our opinions. What's wrong with that? Some, some might be less informed than Craig Levine's, but at the end of the day, you know, um, it's everyone's opinion is is valid and everyone has an, an, an entitlement who loves this game to, to put their opinion forward. Um, let's be honest here. This is a personal, a personal gripe between two people. I, th- I think it's noticeable the fact that normally these sort of arguments when people put it like Craig Levine, it's normally you can't really comment unless you've played the game. And he's talking about Michael Stewart there. So you can't really comment if you've managed Correct. the thing. Do you know I mean? It's very specific. It's not that played the game thing. Yeah. And where does that end? Next thing is, you know, some manager might say hearts are gash. And the next thing is going, oh, you don't know unless you've managed a team in Edinburgh. <laughs> you know I mean? And on it goes, or a team in Gorgie. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's totally like, typical Levine. You can't like, comment if you're a high-profile independent supporter. Aye, aye, aye. You can't comment unless your name's Schmeig You know what I mean? It's just, it's absolute nonsense. And the way he's, he's doing all this very clever deflecting he's doing, um, he's not sure how much it's the average everyday supporter. Which is another really crafty way of sort of saying, like negating any criticism. Because really, what you're saying is the Hearts fans, the real ones. I mean, those mm-hmm. ones, they're, they're they're not criticising. It's not the everyday sports. It's this little poison element on social media and blah blah. <laughs> and to be fair, social media is a wretched type of scum and villainy half the time. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no nice two little way. Star Wars reference. Yeah, there. very well. Yeah, it slipped right in there, but it's true. And it, that is true. But come on, I mean, it's like you know what's going on there. I'm fairly sure it's not just this little element. And also. The, the final one that really got me on it, there was two actually, but I'll go back to the Lennon one different. Everybody needs to take a breath, right? Well, calm down, everybody needs to take a breath. I think, you know, Hearts fans have been holding their breath for a couple of seasons now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they kept holding that breath, they'd all be dead. Mm-hmm. Isn't he the man who sacked Ian Cathro uh, at the start of a season? He is. Yes. You yes. know, so he's yeah. saying like, um, oh, everybody's getting over the top and everyone's ah. jumping to conclusions and uh, you need yeah. to get halfway into a season before you're judging. Well, he's the director of football that sacked Ian Cathro after a Betfred Cup campaign. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. listen, one other thing, Adam, I just want to add on this is I started looking at Hart's squad list and we, we sort of touched on this. The strength and depth Hearts have in their squad in terms of international quality players means that they should be doing a lot better than they are. Hearts should be comfortably the fourth best side in Scotland with this just have to look at it, they've got Manchester United goalkeeper Joel Pereira's just come in they've got John Sutter, a player that most people reckon is worth between 3 and £5 million, classy ball playing centre back, they've got they've just brought in Craig Halkett who was one of the best defenders of the league last year, they've got Christoph Berra who's been the best defender in the league maybe for the last couple of years over over the two year period, arguably, they've got quality young players: Aaron Hickey, Cochrane. They've got experienced players in the midfield: Glenn Whelan, Jamie Walker, Peter Harren, uh, Ollie Lee. Up front: Stephen Naismith, Ick Piazu, Washington McLean, White, and they've got options across that entire squad. For those guys to be struggling to beat a team like Ross County and to play so ineptly in that game and to play such a turgid brand of football. 
you don't need to have been a manager to know that there's something wrong there and something that needs to be corrected. Now, listen, I rate Craig Levine as a manager. You can't not. If you look at his record over the last 15 years in Scottish football, he's been great. And he's great fun with the press conferences. He gives you loads of material, Adam, which is, you know, I'm happy about. And, and he keeps things bubbling over. But come on, Craig. Yeah. Let's get real. Yeah. So... Moving on to Fraser Forster. Before we move on, I just want to put one comment about that, the, oh, the Levine thing. That, 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 <laughs> you're the, you're the messing with his mojo here. He's running away. He's screwing with he's his chin. I, g- I gave you the beat, Jules. You gave <laughs> the beat. I, there was no beat there. It was so short. The final thing I just want to say. You'll be deeper than that shark at the end of this podcast. <laughs> Going deeper all the time. Meeting Neil Lennon. Uh, the key bit there, we, you know, when we're not screaming at each other, that sort of stuff, when we meet, we're outside that stuff, there's a degree of empathy there. Is that not a brilliant, brilliant way of just, you know, saying there's a degree of empathy? It's like, you know, she's pretty on the inside. Do you know what I mean? It's the most <laughs> backhanded comment ever. A degree of empathy. The whole statement I can summed up on that sort of thing, it's total, like, you know, very craftily worded what he's saying. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm interested to see what Neil Lennon's degree of empathy there's, is. There's an Ibsen play there, isn't there? Like Aye. a two-hander. <laughs> Levine and uh, Neil Lennon meet in a bar. And it's sort of like a metaphor for purgatory, and they totally. sit there having a drink, empathising with each other. Just a degree of empathy, though. It's just yeah, frost, just frost, a degree. frost empathy. Yeah, it's not a bar of water drinking, I don't think. Anyway, <laughs> we all right, Jules? Yeah, you're on, you on? Go, mate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, running on. God, give him a wee microphone, he thinks he's... <laughs> he makes one joke, right? <laughs> and and the, ego, <laughs> the ego has landed. Yes, let us hear. Manspreading. So, it looks like Fraser Foster is going to be returning to Celtic on a season-long loan deal. He was a massive success in his four years at the club before joining Southampton for £10 but he's currently out of favour. And with Scott Bain out injured and concerns about Craig Gordon's distribution, the move has been largely welcomed by Celtic fans. Jules, do you think it's a sensible signing? Um, Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, um, for a while now, it seemed like Craig Gordon's kind of... I have questioned. um, I think he's too good to be key... Content to be backup guy. Um, I've thought for a while that he could possibly be on the way out. Um, obviously, Bain's been injured. He's been off form a little bit as well. Um, I don't. I mean, a lot of Celtic fans I'm seeing, I'm seeing, are demanding that you know other positions been filled. More importantly, and they, they are. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's more priorities, but I don't think in any any world that bringing in Fraser Foster, um, even in a, a year's lo- a loan deal, it can be remotely a bad thing. Yeah, and Johnny, I wrote a piece earlier today looking at some of the other players who've returned to Celtic for second spells. Guys like uh, Emilio Azagiri, Charlie Nicholas, Andy Walker, Frank McAvenny. Despite the occasional highlight, none of them hit the heights of their first spell at the club. When you go back to a club where you've previously been successful, is there a risk that you might tarnish your reputation the second time around? I think it depends on how good you are first time around, but quite a lot of these players that you've mentioned were legendary and left because they outgrew Celtic. Um... Certainly that was the case with Fraser Foster. He, he had some... He's outgrown most people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, there was a picture going down the rounds on that on social media where he was uh, sat in a television studio and Craig Gordon was sitting there. And he's, he looks like twice the man, Craig Gordon. <laughs> he's a man mountain, isn't he? Six yeah. foot seven. Um, but he's 31, so he's still a good age, especially for a goalkeeper. He, he had the quality to get a £10 million move to the English Premier League. He did very, very well when he first went there and was in contention for um, the England number one. Uh, he had, he's, got, he's got a couple of caps. I don't know how many off the top of my head, but he certainly made a, a few appearances and, and started off very, very well, continuing that form that saw him get so much acclaim against Barcelona in that infamous game. Um, 
But he's had a number of injuries. He's got a problem with his knee. And he's now dropped out of the first team reckoning, really. I think he's third choice down at Southampton now. So I think, listen, I think it's dangerous to fall into that pundit's trap of saying, well, I think he'll be a good signing because he's 31. And the Fraser Foster, I remember, was a damn good goalkeeper. I've not seen much of Fraser Foster for five years, really. I don't. Mm-hmm. Southampton is not a team that I would get out of bed to watch um, very often, you know. So um, I don't know about this one. I would say that Craig Gordon uh, would be the obvious Neil Lennon type of keeper. He's a very, very good shot stopper. He's not the guy who's brilliant with the ball at his feet. He's an outstanding saver of difficult shots. So. To me, it would be that they have an ob- obvious replacement already there, and going out to get Fraser Foster seems a little off, especially when they've got a talented young keeper in Connor Hazard who's waiting for his chance. 21, you'd think he could come and be the backup, and Gordon could be the number one. It seems like an odd way for Celtic to spend money when they don't have a right back, they don't have a left back, should anyone get injured. Yeah, Jules, I mean, it'd be interesting to know what was going through Craig, Mo- uh, Craig Gordon's mind when he heard about Foster coming back. Do you think Gordon's the type of goalkeeper who will respond positively to another keeper challenging him in Bain's absence, or do you think this will be a, a setback for him? Um, I think he has responded positively already when you saw him with Bain um, take, taking over the number one slot. Um, he's bided his time, he's not um, publicly complained, he looks like he's, he's putting the graft in and training, there doesn't be any issues with that at all. Um, Bain gets injured, he, he slots right back in, he does well. Um, I don't. I think he's a, a good professional, I don't think that would be an issue for him. I think more of the issue is, as I said there, I've stopped for a while, he's too good to be a backup. He's sitting at Celtic, he's not, you, you, other keepers, it's not like other positions where you get rotated or you get moved about. Keep goalkeepers tend to be the one and you've got the air. He's too good for that. He's too, as you say, he's too good quality. I suspect that there's something else going on with that, do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I can't see him sitting another season, happily sitting another season, and Foster coming in suggests that my thought on that before is right, and he's either going to move away from the club or he's going to move into more coach or something like that there, but I don't think it's just as simple as he's now third choice or whatever. Well, obviously, there was a situation brewing between Celtic and Brendan Rodgers for, for quite a while before Rodgers left, and one of the elements that, that suggested that to me was the move Chelsea made for Craig Gordon. Now, they came in with a £4 million bid in a, in a January window. I think Celtic were already out of Europe at that point, or, or certainly were in the Europa League. Um, and there was a sense, from, from as an outsider looking in on it, well, this is a no-brainer. He's 34, 35. You could easily go out and get a younger keeper. The, the, league, is, the league was over already that season. Um, and Gordon wants to go down there and speak to them. And I think even... Rogers admitted that at the time, but he said, you know, Craig wanted to go down there and explore it, but we were not interested in letting him go. And very, very soon after that, Scott, Scott Bean came in. Um, it's certainly under a year and quite quickly re- replaced Craig Gordon. I just thought that was a bizarre situation. The money that was on offer was such that Celtic should have definitely taken it. Um, and I think it would have been better for Gordon as well. And you see like a year on or two years on that, you know, where, where is his career now? Uh, I think he would have been well served to have, to have taken that move. But there was other moves like that around Celtic. You think of the £9 million they were offered for Bayata they didn't take. I think that was a case of Brendan putting his foot down on players that he wanted to, to keep at the club. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you both the same question before we move on. Okay, so Johnny, first, when Celtic have Gordon, Bean and Forster all fully fit and available, who's your number one, who's your number two and who's out the squad? 
Uh, that's really, really difficult without having seen much of Fraser Foster. If Fraser Foster is the same keeper that he was, then I would say Fraser Foster would be the number one. Um, but we don't know how these injuries that he's had have affected his agility. That's massive for a, for a keeper, obviously. Um, so I think it's going to be a bit of a, of a fight, but clearly Lennon's not bringing him in unless he's going to be the number one. He's not going to bring in Fraser Foster, who's leaving Southampton to get first-team football and then have him as a number two. The worry for me, if I was a Celtic fan, would be this, this loan move is essentially only until January because they have a recall. So should Southampton suffer an injury to their second-choice keeper, Fraser Foster could have a blistering six months for Celtic and then they lose him. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those. I mean, mm. listen, that, that, that criticism could have been levelled at the Rangers deal with Jermaine Defoe, but I think there was a tacit understanding it's incredibly unlikely that that would, that would have yep. happened. And maybe that's the same here. But say you do that, you bring him in, he's the first choice, he's terrific. Where are you in six months' time? In January, you've got a big problem. You're in the middle of a title race and you've got to try and in- integrate a new goalkeeper. Yeah. Well, if you think, though, I mean, sorry, Adam, but if you think the... Scott Bain came in, it was, I think it was January when he came in, mm. um, it had been Gordon all the way up to that and it was halfway through the season when he came in, um, he was given a couple of cup charity games to do that sort of stuff and he quickly became the number one keeper, that was halfway through the season, Bain had rarely, you know, I wouldn't say kicked a ball but you know, caught a ball yeah. uh, in his Celtic career, he'd been there for you know about a year or something so he could, did come in and then flicked on it, That's there's no reason to think that couldn't happen again I don't think. But there's a, it's, it's different Jules because of the title situation, because Rangers are looking like they're back. You're, now, you're making a big assumption there again, though. Do you know what I mean? If, the, if the, that was all the case, do you know what I mean? What, you don't think that Rangers are likely oh, they to ve- be? They very might be, but at the same time, you're still, this is very, very hypothetical, this, 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 and this is all occasion. I think I mean? the, the re-emergence of Rangers would mean that there's less, uh, it's less easy to, to, to bed someone in like that because the, the pressure is so much higher if you make a mistake. I mean, the, the, the level of scrutiny that would be on a Scott Bain coming in to Celtic when every game had to be a three-point win. Yeah, well, if you remember though, at the time though, when Scott Bain came in, the league was pretty tight as well. Very tight. And everybody was saying the same sort of things. Oh, it was very tight. My, my, wasn't much in it. My feeling last year, Jules, I've got to be honest, I felt it was very, very tight until Rangers won that, that game at Ibrox. That was the turn of the year. After that, Rangers had to go to Kilmarnock and win to keep the pressure on. There was three points. They lost. And at that point, Celtic were always seven, eight points ahead. So I don't know if it was quite as tight as you're saying. I'm just saying when Bain came in, it was still tight and the pressure was still on. Yeah, but by the time he came into the team, I think there was a there was a gap there. I think it's totally different when it's one point or three points, that kind of gap. And at one game, pressure. And, and, and listen, that, that's going to be huge for every single player in both Rangers and Celtic this season. If they are as close as it looks like they're going to be, based on what we've seen so far, and we all know this changes week to week how we analyse this, but if they are that close, then the, the ability to handle pressure is going to be a major part of the season ahead. Absolutely. Now, Celtic, as we know, have been brilliant for the last three years. They've won nine trophies out of nine, but have they ever been challenged? Have they ever been put under pressure? I'd say not really. So that's going to be a big question mark for those guys, and for Rangers similarly, a lot of those players have shown they can't handle the pressure and they've got to stand up and say we can take that on board we can deal with that and we can grind out results 
Okay, I'm not moving on without an answer to the question. No, so you've gone Forster for your number one. Who's number two and who's out the squad? Uh, the best Scott Bain's the weakest of those keepers. Okay, so categorically, Forster, Gordon, then Bain. Yeah, Jules. Um, I definitely agree with Johnny there. Uh, Foster is the Foster we saw, um, but obviously we've not seen Foster for that amount of time. He hasn't played a lot of football as well for quite some time. Is uh, another factor. Um, if it is still, if he is still up to that level, and you would think as well, if Neil Lennon has brought him in. For that thing, and obviously he's not going to be planning sitting on the bench. You would think he must be, or he must be expected to be that level. So you would have to put him there first. Um, the Bain, the Bain, the Gordon thing, I think is a, a, a 50-50 with me, to be honest. Um, I think Bain's been excellent since he came in. Very, very recently, he's had a few sort of wobbles. Um, but for the most part, uh, in a lot of big games, he didn't um, have those wobbles. Craig Gordon's an exceptional keeper as well. Um, but at the moment, I would still have stuck with Bain, I think. Okay, so Kenny Miller has taken issue with Neil Lennon after the Celtic boss said the players are still sort of ingrained in the way they played before and when teams are used to that, they find it hard to change. We have to vary our play a little bit more if teams are coming at us. I don't want to make a huge issue of it. Brendan's way was so successful. There is, I think he's meant to say there are aspects of it I really (laughs) like. And then there's the aspect of how I want us to play that we have integrated. Now, speaking on BBC Sports Sound, Kenny Miller said, that's what pre-season is for. When these games come at this stage of the season, there's not as much time to put your work in and let your team transition to where you want them to be. So to be fair, it's a bit of an excuse because you've had the team for three months and four months last season. As digs go, it's a fairly minor one, but it's just the latest comment Lennon's made since the close game that people have disagreed with. So... Jules, Brendan Rodgers left six months ago. Do you think seeing the players are still transitioning from his approach is an acceptable excuse from Lennon at this stage? Semi-acceptable. There, there is an element of uh, Levinism there again, or sort of, sort of some sort of deflection, I think. Um, yes, because, I mean, through, for the rest of the last season, he was very, very vocal and very obviously playing Rodgers' system, Rodgers' players, and he couldn't change it. If he changed it slightly to try and do anything different and he made a pig's area and the treble treble didn't happen, that would be him forever. So he had to stick with that. So this season, obviously with pre-season, we've had all those European games, all these sort of things like that there. You can tell he's trying to change it. There's um, different, you know, they're trying to be more direct, they're up to stuff. It's not really kicked in a lot of the time. Um, they've played all right in a lot of games. They've had, a, you know, one or two off moments. Um, I think it is still transitioning. I don't think it's particularly um, the best excuse in the world to here. But I think you can see it is actually still that is still a factor. And whether it should be or not is a different question. Yeah. I have to agree with Jules on that, Adam. Um, I do think six months is early. I mean, Brendan Rogers wasn't just any old manager. He was a bit of a messa- messianic figure. Messa- is that yeah. messianic? messianic. Messianic. Messianic, sorry. Yeah. Shouldn't use words that I can't pronounce. <laughs> um, he was clearly a huge influence on a lot of those guys in the team. And I think players like Kieran Tierney, uh, although he's gone now, like Callum McGregor, Tom Rogic, a l- Scott Brown, a lot of these guys lifted their game significantly significantly under Brendan Rodgers. Therefore, he will have heavily influenced their outlook on the game. You know, when these guys go into management, I guarantee you they'll be talking about things that they picked up under Brendan Rodgers, things that worked, because it was such a successful period. So I think Neil Lennon going in there and adjusting it, and he, he does need to adjust it because he's not Brendan Rodgers, but I think he'll have a difficult time of it trying to change the mindset and bringing them round to his way of thinking um, because Rodgers has been so influential. So I think that allied with the fact he hasn't really been able to go out and, and completely change that team. 
That's ball. Most of it has been done to his defence. Balling goalie um, Julian, um, the the right back El Hamed, and uh, now obviously um, the, the the big goalie Fraser Foster. So that's it's pretty much a new defence, but middle to front, and that's as we know where Rogers' teams excelled themselves. There's not been a change really at all in in the in the personnel. So I do think it will take quite a bit of time and quite a bit of patience and man management to affect that kind of change. Uh, and I, to be honest, I think it will be very difficult to kind of really, you'll have to smash them out of it because their natural inclination will be towards this very controlled, very structured uh, style under under um, Brendan Rodgers. But I think we, are, we have, to be fair on Lennon, we have seen signs going forward that they are more varied in the way they go around their play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Johnny, Lennon said yesterday that there's a narrative going around that we may be a wee bit off colour. We're absolutely not. Given the Champions League exit against Cluj, the need for extra time to beat Dunfermline at home, are Lennon and his team not at least partially responsible for that narrative? Well, yes, they are, of course. Um, I think the narrative is that they are defensively poor. And they have a lot of change, and that will take time to bed in. Um, there's been two big signings made, £10 million spent, which is an enormous amount of money by Scottish standards. And Lennon has chosen not to play those players in the big games. It's churlish to suggest people shouldn't be commenting on that. Yeah. That's just obvious. Um, I do think I agree with a column Jules wrote a couple of days ago I think there has been a slight overreaction and I think it feeds into the fact that Celtic fans weren't that enamoured with the appointment of Lennon in the first place normally if you appoint a club legend to become manager they would be quite a bit of free reign quite a bit of space before there was any pressure with this one you do feel that the minute things start to go wrong the pressure is going to be really really significant because of the body of uh, supporters that really were thinking this appointment was a retrospect was a retrograde step and i think that's that's where the main i mean Jules will speak better about this than me but that i think that's where the main crux of the matter is um lennon i think has got the space and the time to get it right he needs to be given another two or three months as i say it doesn't matter if it's neil lennon or someone else anyone going in after brendan rogers is going to have a really really difficult situation to deal with because of what i outlined because of the way uh, um, rogers was because of the influence he had on those players it was going to be really really difficult so i do think he does need a bit of time to, to come to terms with that whether or not he's the right man or not i don't know i still think rangers are going to win this league but time will tell Okay, Jules, Celtic take on AIK Stockholm at home tonight. How do you see that one going? Um, it kind of ties on for what Johnny was just saying there. Um, there's a huge amount of pressure on Celtic and Lennon um, as a result of this game, as well as a result of the Clues game. Um, there, there's a feeling that the the fans, you know, a performance after the, the I mean, the Deferman game. Um, even if they rattled them seven 0 it was never going to make folk go. Oh, that's all right, but Clues were bad. They got mean? there in the end. They did get there. They're still in the tournament. Do you pe- know what I mean? People forget. Not madness. It's really difficult after a big European yeah. night to yeah. go out and perform. It's a completely changed team. Yeah. I think I think this stuff about Dunfermline has been a bit over the top. I think so. I told I told I said that in that piece. I think as well. Yeah. It's the, the textbook definition of European hangover. Yeah. Um, difficult game. Crowd on their back a bit. I mean, they get booed booed on. 
twice, do you know what I mean? Which is just absolutely shameful. I think I was appalled when I seen that. Um, so they're under all this pressure already. Lennon's under that pressure, as Johnny said, coming after uh, Brendan Rodgers. There's no leeway for him, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, a team like Celtic, you're always expected to succeed anyway. He's got no windows for, for failure here, do you know what I mean? It's that there. Coming off that, if they don't um, get into the Europa League, group stages that's now that is a disastrous season but I mean that that's when you can start saying right this is not going right let me tell you that would be a bigger disaster for Rangers than it would be Celtic you think so if Rangers go through and Celtic don't th- I think that would be a key factor in the title race I would I would start to veer, veer towards Celtic to win the title if that's the case uh, Ce- Rangers need Celtic to qualify for the Europa League. Do you think yeah. then there's an element of the Celtic support that would kind of brush off a defeat as long as it wasn't too heavy? I, th- uh, I think it would be a hysterical reaction because Celtic fans have been used to success home and abroad. I mean, under Brendan Rodgers, they qualified twice for the Champions League. And then in the third season, of course, they went out to Ake Athens, which wasn't a great result. However, they did qualify from the Europa League. So overall, you would have to say that's not bad brass tacks before you actually drill into the detail of the sort of seven nil defeats and things like that um, but on paper that's 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 decent um so the fans are used to that and i think they would be upset however that would be a massive massive blow to rangers that celtic had entire weeks to recover while they were going away to difficult ties in russia or far-flung places in Europe um, and then having to come back and play on the Sunday that would be really really difficult so I think every Rangers fan well they'll absolutely swim in the tears of Celtic fans um, delightedly if Celtic do go out to AIK uh, it would be really really difficult for Rangers to win the league under those circumstances because that is a punishing punishing schedule and you really need both teams to be going through that I think yeah. of course Rangers could go out too and, yeah, then, yeah. and then it's yeah. moot it's entirely possible I, think. I mean if you look at if Rangers are in Azerbaijan on Thursday night do you know what I mean the Celtic are sort of resting up and doing that sort of stuff it's, it's a Flip it for you though, Jules. What do you think if it was the other situation? I'm very similar again. If Celtic I, yeah, went through and Rangers went out. I could out. not agree more. I could not agree more. And I have seen quite a few Celtic fans. Obviously, nobody wants to go out, obviously. But I have seen more than a few Celtic fans saying, no, I like us to go out because, you know, rotten tournament, you know, middle of nowhere, blah, blah. <laughs> rotten tournament. Oh, Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of football. I want Champions League. Do you know what I mean, doing that, it does feel like the, 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 you know, the redheaded stepchild. Sorry, redhead fool. Look at you here, Adam. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm can, joking. <laughs> can we just deny this rumour that I'm red-headed? I'll accept, any, I'll accept some of the other allegations yes, you've laid out for, but... for those amateur hour detectives exactly. who are trying to work out who old firm <laughs> facts is, Throwing he's not a redhead. <laughs> That's what you meant to say, thrown off there. Um, but yeah. strawberry blonde in the beard. But yes, yes, I know the one. Um, so yeah, so I think um, there's a lot of fans that don't want that, that European football for that reason because it is absolutely a punishing schedule I think if Celtic um, did get through and Rangers didn't there would be a definite advantage for Rangers for the exact same reason you said the majority of people though I think want the to see Celtic go through because you want European football you want to be playing that of course you do and the same for Rangers fans personally in an ideal world I'd like to see both of them go through because it's more exciting it's better for Scottish football it gets that coefficient up as many, as many people will argue this forced the, the stage qualifications an absolute nightmare so hopefully it will Tonight, going back to the very initial question, um, tonight is going to be a very, very cagey start to the game. At the very least, there's a lot of pressure on them. I think I, I think they're more than capable of getting through it and doing it. Um, but it is going to be a very sort of high pressure game for for 
yeah, at least at least at the first start of it. Okay, and Johnny, just to finish us off, Rangers are in Poland to take on Legia Warsaw. What sort of evening do you think it's going to be for Steven Gerrard's side? Everything depends on how the Poles attack the game. If they come out at Rangers and try to win the game, I think Rangers will win comfortably. I can see Rangers winning 2-1, 3-1, 2-0, because that is exactly where Rangers thrive, on the counter. Um, but as I suspect what will happen uh, is that the Poles will actually just sit in. They'll have watched Rangers and they'll just go, do you know what, 0-0 is a really great result for us because we can, we can get a set piece at Ibrox. Um, and, and I think this is increasingly the situation in Europe now that um, people see nil-nil at home as actually a great result because they know if you score on the road, as we saw with Kluge, um, if you score goals on the road, then you're, you're in a great position. So I think it's going to be one or two game, two ways. I think if, if Legia come out, Rangers will win comfortably. If they sit back, I think it could be a really dull um boring game where nobody's altogether that happy and it leaves it all up for uh, debate in the second leg Celtic I think will win 3-1 but I do think they'll let in a go okay well that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today we'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable you can get more from us at Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore scott to ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Hold From Facts One, Jules on Captain underscore Howdy, and Johnny on at Johnny R. McFarlane. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. Thanks.